Hello, I'm Kristen McDonald, and thanks so much for tuning in today. Are you ready for a profound shift in your perception of love, life, and death? Are you open to the idea that we can connect with loved ones who have passed on? Do you wonder sometimes if there's an afterlife? The book Beyond Ever After, A Heart-to-Heart Journey Through Death and the Afterlife by Katherine Weisenberg and Jocelyn Montanero will confirm that death is not an ending. According to these two authors, the power of love and connection cannot be extinguished, and after-death communication reunites and brings lots of healing. In this riveting book, Catherine shares her psychic gift and allows Jocelyn to communicate with her husband, Kevin, who is suffering from brain cancer. And the story is deeply moving, and they're both with us now to share their insights on what happens to us after we move on from this planet. <laughs> How are you, ladies? Great. Thank you. Thank Great. you so Thanks much for, for joining us. us. Well, it's sure. really a very, uh, you know, it's a topic that we all ponder over at all times. You know, I mean, uh, as my friend's son once said when we were having this discussion, you know, we won't know until we're on the other side <laughs> who's right or who's wrong, you know. But um, so, so tell us about your experience, you know, how you came to write this book and your relationships and, and whatnot, how it all evolved. Well, um, sure. Jocelyn's uh, husband, Kevin, was in a coma following a brain surgery. Um, he had brain cancer, and he'd been in a coma for 26 days. And uh, Jocelyn was all out of hope, so... Her sister um, was someone that I had worked with many times, was familiar with my work, and uh, she recommended to Jocelyn, well, maybe you should try to get some help. Um, and I facilitate for 30 years conversations with God, deceased people, and people in comas. And Jocelyn um, was reluctant and a complete skeptic, and uh, she... And I set up a phone session, and during that session, her husband reported he thought he was dreaming, and he roused himself to consciousness. And he came out of the coma? Excuse me. He came out of the coma as you... Yes. My goodness. Wow. Right? Jocelyn, you want to Yes. Elaborate? He, um, he was, had been in a coma for 26 days, and... Um, during this writing, he came up with a thought, an experiment, to see if he could tap his fingers because he thought he was dreaming, and he even thought that the conversation that we were having was just part of his dream. And so he came up with the idea, this is all communicated through the energy Catherine is receiving in the writing, to um, tap his fingers. And so he, my sister, um, Vicky was in the hospital room with him, and I was in a landline in the hotel. And so we called her up, and I said, you know what? So Kevin proceeded to tap his fingers and communicate through Catherine that he was going to tap his fingers, then he was going to stop, and then he was going to tap his fingers, and he was going to stop. And he did that several times, and then he said, okay, well, I guess I'm not dreaming after all. I'm going to wake myself up out of this. And um, consistently from that point forward, he started to wake up. And that's what brought him out of the coma? 
that's what started it. And then he, um, uh, it took, you know, it's not like, as I would say, he woke up the next morning and asked me for a cup of coffee. I mean, that would have been impossible. He'd have, of course, he had five brain surgeries in 26 days because they just didn't know why he was waking up, why he wasn't waking up. Although now I know it's because he didn't, he thought he was dreaming and wasn't trying to wake himself up. But then he, he started to wake up. The doctors would come in. He could raise one hand, the other hand, move one foot, the other foot. A speech therapist came in, asked him what his musicians he liked. You know, he, he was talking again. And so, and that was all the results of the writing, um, the first time. Now, when you say writing, okay, you, 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 Catherine wrote something and then read it to him, or? Catherine, well, can you describe your process? Do, what, yeah, what I do is I. Um, I keep, uh, I write the comments down and, and the messages down to keep a written record because it's pretty um, awe-inspiring. So I write the comments um, and the dialogue down, and um, uh, and then people can go back over it. And uh, yes, so. What I would do was write. When I get to a break point, I'd read. And um, what's also important to know, so we call them writings, but that's just uh, I'm completely present. It's not like I'm going some woo-woo place. I'm just like I'm talking to you. But uh, what's also stunning about this is Jocelyn and her husband were both lawyers, so she didn't think this was even possible. And so being a good lawyer, she asked him a test question at the onset, um, and uh, he told her something that pretty well stunned her. And so the book, our book, Beyond Ever After, is is also the journey of him being ingenious enough to bring himself out of a coma, which he went back into, unfortunately. So she talked to him before and during and as he was dying and then after his death about, uh, hence the uh, journey through death, heart-to-heart journey through death and the afterlife. So, Well, now that's just absolutely remarkable, especially because one of my closest and dearest friends lost her husband at age 37 from uh, uh, brain cancer, so I went through it with her. And I remember the surgeries and, um, you know, the, he squeezed her hand. Just I had left uh, ICU, you know, right before he passed, and he said, you know, I'm cause I'm b- bigger than the sky. You know, so it makes me think of this whole thing about, you know, communicating with them afterwards. He was just that kind of a person, you know, big personality right. and very strong. So um, so tell me first, let's tell the listeners, Catherine, first about your background, about, uh, you know, your credentials and your how long you've been doing this and, and um, how many types of different people you've worked with and that sort of thing to give them a little idea of what you do. Sure. So... I, uh, God's cosmic joke is I was in graduate school studying uh, communication. So I was getting an advanced degree in communication, and then I started having these extraordinary experiences where I had no information. I would know information. I would get the message to convey this information to complete strangers, and I was very hesitant uh, at first, um, and uh, whatever I would say, like blue car under the trundle bed, people would cry. They'd have reactions. I had no idea what any of it meant. And um, I've that uh, morphed into full-on dialogues and conversations um, with God and deceased people and people in comas. 
And I've been doing that for 30 years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sessions. And uh, Wow. Now, are you religious? I mean, and do you channel? I mean, these are all questions that are coming to my uh, mind. You yeah. Know. I do don't you call yourself a psychic or a... Um, no, I really feel uncomfortable with all those labels. I call myself yes, a yes. communication facilitator um, mm-hmm. because that's what I see my gift is doing is help facilitate that communication. Um, and I don't go anywhere. It's not like I'm um, uh, a medium. Um, I am religious. I was raised Catholic, been a Catholic. Um, I'm a, also a prayer chaplain, a unity prayer chaplain for the last 10 years. Um, so I do have um, a spiritual underpinnings. Um, mm-hmm. But I was just a, a, a student, you know, um, in a graduate program who, uh, like I said, got an advanced degree and have had um, amazing experience with hundreds and hundreds of people across the globe and um, just know that this reality isn't all there is. Um, Absolutely. I will agree with you there. Um, But, I mean, when you, let's say you have a particular person who comes to you and, okay, it's the three years to my mother's passing yesterday. We had a memorial um, how would you approach it with someone, and how do you know you're actually reaching that person? I mean, you know, um, as an example. To Well, I say it's not like I have a phone that I can ring. I don't have a white phone. So oh, darn. when people come to me, yeah, <laughs> when people come and get connected to me like Jocelyn, I don't, uh, in this case I knew her sister, so I had a little bit of information, but mostly all the people that I do my work with are complete strangers to me. And I do primarily the God writings, which are transformative energy, metaphorical, um, very helpful in shifting patterns and things like that. But oftentimes deceased people will drop in, and I don't know who they are, and I don't know the information about them. But they always have telltale signs. Uh, might be a good time for Jocelyn to give you the example of what really in that first initial session made her go, okay, this is for real. Yes, please, Jocelyn, it's all yours. So in the first session, um, she starts, I uh, hear Catherine writing, and then she stops and reads. All the writings start with a God introduction, which are always really specific to kind of what's coming. They're a bit of a preview in a way. Um, and they, they're very metaphorical. When they're done, you understand them, but when they're happening, you're, you're kind of thinking, what's poetic that? Poetic and beautiful. Yeah. They're very poetic. Um, and then she said, you know, I hear a man's voice. And I said, is it Kevin? And he replied, this is all through the writing. So when I said he said, it's, it's all through communicating through Catherine. Um, that is, of course it's me. And then he asked about the kids and you know, what was going on, and I told him that he was in a coma and that he, you know, he said he thought he was just dreaming, and, and I said, well, you know, what's the last thing you remember? Because Catherine knew my sister, like she said, and she could have known the names of my kids and, you know, some of the more basic facts. And he said, I remember um, getting wheeled into the surgery and reaching up and taking Linda's hand and saying, thank you for doing this, Linda. And I nearly fell off my chair because... Um, after the surgery, uh, the surgeon came out. And you know how they always come out and talk to the family to tell you how the procedure went. So she comes into the room. Her name is Linda. And she said, you know, everything went fine. 
Um, and before I get into the details, I just have to tell you, you know, your husband is just the nicest man. As we were wheeling him in, he reaches up and grabs my hand and says, thank you for doing this, Linda. And the only people that heard that were me and my one of my kids. And, um, of course, she heard it and the people around her heard it, but I never conveyed it to anyone and I never thought about it again because right after that conversation, an artery tore in his head in the recovery room and he had a massive stroke and everything just started going downhill, which is mm. how he ended up in the coma to I'm start so with. I'm so sorry for your loss. Me too, but he's not really gone, so it's 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 not really it's a loss for sure, but it's not an ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, anyway, so he shared what she said, and I knew in that moment that it was him. And then he talked about the music we listened to on the way down, and the and the things we talked about the night before, and um, and I just knew, and that was the beginning of this next phase of my relationship with with Kevin. Mm. So this whole time when they were wheeling him, <coughs> excuse me, wheeling him in, he was still in a coma from that. No, no, no. This is before the surgery. So before he, the this, surgery. Before the surgery that uh, all went south and, and brought the coma on. Oh, so I see. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay. So okay. So when he came out of it, right? That was his last memory. Right. 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 Well, he wasn't coming out of it. He was. This was during the writing with with Catherine. Mm-hmm. I I didn't I didn't know. If it was really him, and honestly, I had didn't know Catherine. I'd met her once before at a bunco game night, and honestly, I didn't really think that highly of her because, like Catherine said, I'm a lawyer. I'm pretty skeptical. I'm a very linear thinker. I need, of course, direct experiences. And I just thought, you know, this here's this woman taking advantage of people's need to feel like they're connecting with their lost loved ones. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't think she could do it, and I didn't think too highly of her. Um, But (laughs) once um, she conveyed that, I had a complete turnaround in my head because there was no way that she could have known that. No, no, that's just so fascinating. Um, so, So going forward, um, how is the communication now? Well, we, the, the book has um, six of the complete writings in it, and there was the first one when he was in the coma, and then um, another one, uh, again, at UCLA. Then he did one with our kids, um, which was kind of his final goodbye. And then at we hospice. had a... At hospice, at the hospice Through facility. that I facilitated. That, these are all Catherine facilitated, all of these, of course. And then we had an after-death, the first after-death writing is in the book as well as as well as he also does unsolicited writings where he'll just on a on an occasion um, he'll he'll just contact Catherine essentially and and send me a message like in the book um, a couple of days after his first after-death writing was my birthday which I hadn't shared with anyone I mean why nothing to celebrate you know and of course. he sent this this great birth birthday message. Um, and in the message, and this is a neat thing in the book that I, we hope people talk about, um, is he said, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm a newbie to this, but I'm going to try to send you a sign. And so a few days later, I got a sign that was very particular to him. I won't tell you what it is. It's in the book. It's a great story. Um, that made me know he was still there with me. And since then, I've had many signs. And when I talk 
some of these experiences over with other people, they have them. Like, like as Catherine will tell you, they'll smell grandma's perfume when she's been gone forever when they're thinking about her. Or Oh, yes. You know, I mean, I have that ran rampant in my family, you know. I mean, Right. Mm-hmm. And what we hope with the book is we all are having these experiences, but we feel, oh, and even when they happen to us, I'm doing, oh, I must be crazy. That can't be real. Or we don't share that with each other. And what we really hope with the book is it not only affirms their soul life and consciousness after death and that our loved ones are with us and many times know what's going on, but they're sending us messages and signs. And the more we can open our heart to them, to our own, as Jocelyn said, direct experience, then we get to um, feel that connection because, as you know, losing your family members and people you love and your friends, um, it's, it's, the, it's a very difficult thing, and we don't know where people go, and it's so black box. And this lets you know it's okay to have and trust your own direct experience of your loved one. If you feel them, if you sense them, if you receive a sign, then let yourself, your heart know, they're with me. Definitely. And, like um, my mother said before she died, she held my hand. She said, I'll always be with you, you know, and I, I feel that so strongly. You know, and I'm a dreamer. You know, I've had dream experts, analysts on the show and everything. I have always had prophetic and kind of somewhat called prophetic psychic dreams from the time I was little, you know, good and bad, things that would happen in my life. And I guess it ran in the family through my mother and my grandmother. But hmm. my point is, is that, People who pass on, I mean, my other siblings say, God, I wish I had that. Like, I get sightings and visitations from people all the time. My father repeatedly died 20 years ago, my mother. So what do you think about that? You think they're really coming, or that's my subconscious, or I'm just trying to work things out, the mourning, the grieving, the staying connected. I, I feel they're with me. They're coming to, to, to be with me. Well, and that's what I think. You don't need someone with my skill set that if you feel them, they are with you. And Jocelyn has lots of uh, experiences she shares in the book where her husband's asking her certain things about their family, um, their son taking up guitar, commenting that he's aware that things are going on. But Jocelyn, you also report, you feel him frequently. Yes, all the time. And he... He'll, I'll be thinking about him in the car. Well, I think I still think about him all the time, even though it's been six years. I'll be thinking about him, and then the next song that will come on invariably is either James Taylor, Something in the Way She Moves, or Van Morrison, Brown-Eyed Girl. The two songs he most associated with me. I can't tell you how many times I'm in the car, and he'll come in my mind, and the next song is that. And, and it's and you he's know, playing DJ up there. He's playing DJ up there. It's, 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 it's funny. No, there's it's, some magic to it. I, I absolutely believe in it. I mean, for, for a listener out there, what would you suggest to them? To be more connected with prayer, with more like meditation or something to connect, you know, to those that are on the other side? And, and let's talk a little bit, too, you know, about what, what your vision is of what the other side is and what it looks like. Well, in my experience of doing hundreds and hundreds of, uh, conversations with deceased people facilitating those uh, connections. Um, I really believe that um, based on what people themselves report, and even in our book, uh, Kevin tells his uh, tells Jocelyn 
what it was like at the time of his death, where he went, what he felt, what um, quote-unquote heaven is. Um, but what you believe is the kind of thing that you're going to receive. So I don't, uh, I think people think there's a one-size-fits-all heaven and um, whatever that is. Kevin was a Christian, so he had a very Christian reception um, after death. So, but what people can do, sure, prayer, meditation, and just being open to the possibility. And you raised right. the point of how our grief can kind of um, be overwhelming and understandably so. Um, but I think just the main thing is when you have these experiences, don't push them away of connecting with your loved one. And, and don't tell yourself you're crazy or you didn't see that or you didn't feel it or it can't be true. Um, even if you share it with no one else, which I hope you do, um, I think opening our perceptual field to the possibility lets us see wonder and grace and magic. Just like if we're optimistic, we're going to see opportunity instead of obstacles. But I think it really applies in connecting with our loved ones in the afterlife and feeling that God spirit within us, which is always Absolutely. Well, how do you two gals see, do you see it as heaven? Do you see it in the traditional, you know, religious sense that we're, we go up to the kingdom of heaven and then we connect with our loved ones? Or do you, think you see it as a spirit realm or another dimension or... Catherine, why do you answer that? Um, well, how I envision it is that for some people it's the traditional heaven. It's it's the pearly gates. It's the, the streets of gold. It's everything. For a lot of people, it's being greeted with their loved ones and, and, and um, having that welcome. There are some times that people die and they're just so, um, uh, it, so um, in that bliss or ecstasy and happy to be with the creator and the universal love they just become one with that love so it's not that one size fits all and i think when we use the term heaven is heaven is a state of consciousness in the sense that here we have bills to pay you know food to shop for our worries are such and when we're not in a body anymore, we're still our soul essence, and we don't have all those other, you know, dense things that we have to handle here. So we really are free. And and this idea of angels, I mean, I think people who are of service during their lives continue to be of service in grander and different ways from the other side. So um, all of that, I think, is... And Israel. Um, That's and nice. Do you feel we're in a, in a young body form, or just a floating around in a spirit form, or and that we, you know, you know, I, like in my case, everyone keeps saying you'll you'll be able to see, and I said, well, thanks. How about a do over on Earth? <laughs> right. Well, you know, I saw I saw that your I read your bio, and I had a detached retina, and oh, so you understand, side. and. And I always tell my, I was at the retinal specialist for an hour this morning, I said, you know, it's so amazing to me that I have lost my sight or I'm losing my sight, it, it have this second sight. Um, and then, you know, when we got the invitation to speak with you, I was like, oh, yeah, this is because, but we, oh, isn't all, that interesting? See, we all see with our hearts. 
absolutely there we all know that we 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 have this capacity to connect and to feel and to be compassionate and to sense things that our five senses don't necessarily give us all that information and um I call it my extraterrestrial powers. <laughs> right. <laughs> or whatever it is. And I think you bring up a good point. If people think they're going to become some sort of um, uh, other uh, race or they've watched something or they hold that they're going to be an apparition, then maybe they are. But the other thing that's so hard for us here to understand that they totally get is that we are linear here. We are, I got up this morning, I had breakfast. So we lead a segmented, defined timeline, very linear. This happened and this happened and this happened. And we don't know that we can be several places at once. We can be the energy of love expanding for our whole entire family from there uh, when we're a deceased person because I like to think of it as it's no separation. There's no separation. Once we're out of this body, we are our soul essence. So we're able to be everywhere and to have in many times more power. Jocelyn could tell the story of her husband, Kevin, uh, what he wanted for his life. I think this might be a good time, Jocelyn, about... Uh, Please. Well, well Kevin, Kevin wanted in his life to... Um, well, he wanted to make a difference, and he always wanted to take a missions trip. And so um, this book, a lot, is I see it as the missions trip that he wasn't well enough to take during his life. And like Catherine says, you know, you kind of take yourself with you. He was a mediator by training, and his whole job, and it really was a calling for him, was to... Um, help people avoid conflict in their lives, and um, and he's 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 the same now up there. And by doing this book, we're we're hoping that um, kind of carries on his his mission. Oh, that's beautiful, beautiful. What other kinds of messages have you gotten from him? Well, uh, the, the 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 one that's in the book involves a squirrel, and the funny thing about that is he he always had this. Kevin had this thing for squirrels, and. After my birthday, he um, said he'd send me a sign, and I was in the living room with my with my kids, and we they still hadn't gone back to school. And all of a sudden, we have these two very large dogs, a Doberman Great Dane mix and a Shepherd, and they are jumping on the fence, barking like crazy. And I look out, and there's a squirrel on the fence where I'd never seen a squirrel before in my whole life, sitting on my fence, just looking right at me just staring at me, and the dogs are jumping up, the fence is lunging back and forth, and the squirrel is as calm as can be staring at me. And we just, and I even said to my kids, look, it's Kevin. You know, I, I knew it was the sign was him from the squirrel because he had this thing for squirrels. Sure. And, um, and uh, then in the next writing, you know, one of the first things he said is, yes, you know, that was me, the squirrel. Not that he is the squirrel, but, well, Catherine can explain how that works a little better, but... Um, and since then, I get signs all the time, and often there a, it, it, a squirrel is involved. Like um, when we first started um, to do these interviews, the very first day I was having, we were having the first interview some time ago, and I got up and I looked outside my window, and on the telephone line was the squirrel just staring at me, you know, <laughs> telling me because I was going to be start communicating his story. 
And, and there was another time where I was, you know, in a not a very good relationship, and I was thinking, what should I do? And I go out in the backyard, and, and there's this squirrel, and it's like lying over this telephone line again. And I pulled up a chair, and I just, you know, had this kind of conversation with the squirrel. And the message I got from him is that I don't need to worry about being alone because he is always with me, and so is God. And, mm, um, beautiful. And, but I, but there's, but there's so many. I can. There's. I've literally had. Oh, yeah. Dozens and, and dozens in, of them. And in our book, Kevin, our book is a four-part voice narrative. It's Kevin is the main person sharing all of his experiences. Jocelyn, putting context to that, and also her experience of having to go through his death and the grief. My spiritual perspective, and also helping facilitate this connection and story for them, and then God. And Kevin, throughout the book consistently, is trying to, before he dies, get uh, Jocelyn to to um, understand that death is not a failure. He says death is not a failure. And also that how to handle her grief, how to go on with her living, that his love is eternal, he will always be with her, and also the idea that they will be together, that whenever that time comes that she dies, that they'll be reunited, hence our title, Beyond Ever After, because he has lots of wisdom about what he's seeing, what he's sensing, and, and is very eloquently sharing that. He was a devout Christian. He was a man of service. He was volunteering out the out the uh, wazoo for him with agencies and the homeless. And, you know, he was just the kind of impeccable human being. And he's all through this book, which is really a, that's why it so resonates with people who are facing a loss or terminal illness or or just, you know, we all have losses, is that um, we're not alone, that we're always connected, that this love goes on, that there's something bigger out there, that that we get to be reunited with our loved ones. So he sends so many very pointed messages, as does the God writings that in the book, too, about um, why do we say it's, the afterlife, like that's the thing that's got like life, oh, it's afterlife, like this is the most spectacular thing, what we're living here. And um, in the God writings, God talks about it as new life and that we continue and that there is no period, that um, we live on um, in a freer, fuller, more uh, expanded, loving, connected versions of ourselves um higher consciousness and yeah and the interesting thing in my dreams is the loved ones you know like my dad he died of cancer at 74 and he when he came comes to me in my dream he's always young he's always youthful and happy and free and physically you know there's no physical ailment nothing and he, he in the very beginning when i was grieving he went back to you know in his looking like he was in his 20s or 30s right. in the dreams always you know well, when we're not linear, we can be any place, any time, multiple yes. places. Yes. And that's just more than our minds can even comprehend. So maybe mm-hmm. once we get blown out of our body, you know, and we have that experience of, you know, 
oneness sounds like such a trite concept, but mm-hmm. we are part of a loving universe. We're always, we're in it, whether we have a body or not, we're all part of that. And it's alive and breathing, whether we have a breath in our body or not. So Definitely. You know, Jocelyn, when you're talking about the squirrel, it reminds me of my cousin, my uncle. After he passed, he was a real outdoorsman, and he loved birds. And there's a particular kind of bird, I forgot which one it is, but she said every time she sees that bird, he comes right to her kitchen window. And she knows, yeah, that it's Gordon, you know, coming, my uncle, coming to, like, give her wisdom or say hello. It's the funniest thing. She's been telling me that for years, you know. We share these little things. And that's and, I, and, I'm, sure, and I'm sure that is that. And, and, and it's neat to hear when I go out, um, people always, after they read the book, they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, I thought I was crazy, but I had the same kind of experience with a bird or a this or a that. And, or a penny. And, and or think, Oh, yeah. Or the Catherine said, smell the perfume, you know. Yes. Yes. Whatever attachment you have. Some feeling. Yeah. Some, some yeah. sort of feeling, you know. Right. And there, there's also just a thought. It's what our loved, you know, the people that we love, they leave us with. They leave us with their wisdom, their kindness, their... You know, all those different feelings. Like my mother said when she passed, I'll always be with you. You know, And I feel that. I, I feel it constantly, you know. And we imprint each other's hearts. You know? Yes. Yes. That's uh, a nice way of putting imprint, it. Yeah. And and um, in these, uh, all the writings have introductions and conclusions. And I've come to think of those as a soul print. That we are this essence that sometimes in this life we get, you know, just in the living of it, um, we kind of are not as in touch with that. But when our our loved ones on the other side, they are pure essence. So, yes. of course, and they want, just like we want for all our loved ones here, they want only the best for us. And so it's beautiful how they will come and try to... Um, support us and send us signs and messages and we really hope with the book that people start trusting themselves and opening that dialogue because for many people these connections with their loved ones uh your cousin with the bird at the window is a very profound and moving experience that may or may not be shared with anybody so once we go out and we talk in the book and we're with people, everyone has these experiences. So we're hoping that people just become okay about that. That's not so taboo. And then we can support each other in our griefs probably better. Definitely. Oh, my goodness, it helps so much with grief. And so do you have any how-tos in the book? You know, I'm sure you have plenty of examples, but do you have how-tos for people of how to, you know, how to get better connected? Um, we, I talk a lot about the spiritual uh, aspects, and and the main thing is um, that understanding that our true nature and birthright is that of spirit, mm-hmm, that we mm-hmm. all are capable of receiving grace and wonder, and. I would say the, when we start having these extraordinary experiences or even, you know, even they don't have to be the squirrel on the phone line. It could be a butterfly that's flying around your head a lot that we say, oh, and we recognize that as value. We stop, and I believe that once we open our perceptual field, and you and I with visual issues know no, <laughs> how, definitely. How, how when that's um, contracted, that experience, but we 
we put on blinders to a lot of things in our life, whether we're uh, visually impaired or not. And opening to that opens our perspective, and I think it just brings more of those opportunities. We notice them more, and what we notice flows to us in greater quantity. So, and knowing that that's our innate nature. We're not separate from divine spirit. We're, we're part of this universal love. And I think Jocelyn, a complete skeptic, angry at God for killing her husband, was cracked wide open. And uh, how would you describe yourself now, Jocelyn? Well, uh, completely transformed uh, would be um, an understatement. And I don't... Um, you know, I don't fear death, which is huge because, um, and I can only speak from my experience, but um, it's it's changed my whole perspective on on death. That it's not a tragedy; it's it's just a transition. And um, knowing that, or at least for me, know, knowing that, has made me um, not sweat the small stuff, not sweat a lot of the big stuff. I used to be, um, and I know Catherine's going to laugh here, I used to be very controlling. I, I think I've improved, but apparently I still have a tendency to be a bit of a, you know, control freak, and I'm kind of, I used to be more high-strung than I, than I am now, but I, I've gotten kind of a, a calmness that I didn't have before, um, just because I know that um, this isn't the end of the road for me. Mm-hmm. And um, and that I know that when I I, I die, I'm going to be with Kevin again, um, and it's going to be not as if a moment has passed. He shared in a writing that it would be like less than the blink of an eye, which is 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 very freeing, um, but also kind of makes me feel like I have a greater responsibility. That it really is so short. Greater here. purpose. And, yeah, and it really does matter what we say and what we think and, and mm-hmm. the energy we mm-hmm. put out. And before, I didn't really think about stuff like that. I said, you know, I just said what was on my mind. I often didn't, wasn't as careful as I should have been with my words or how I conveyed things to other people. But all that really matters. And when you think that your life is really a blink of an eye, it matters even more. You know, oh, boy, I, and it goes fast. You know, I mean, we're winding down on time, and we could go on forever on this topic because it's so fascinating. But I want to share a little snippet of something that just it came to mind. You know, with you talking about Kevin being in a coma, this dear friend of mine who had a heart uh, transplant. uh, Her name was Ava Kaufman. We had her on the book. We had her on the show uh, a few years ago. She went into a coma, and she told she tells her story vividly how she was, you know, in the hands of God. And 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 talking to him about she needed time on earth with her daughter. She remembers this in the coma. And it was clearly that it was not a dream, according to her, you know, that she was on the other side. And there was the way that she details it, you know, giving a description. And But it was so profound the way she told the story. She had a heart transplant. And she came back, and she's, you know, with her her daughter is now probably 15 or something. But it was a beautiful story, and I never wow. forgot it, you know. Yeah. She was in the palm of his hand and saying, no, no, I need time, I need time, you know, and she remembered that vividly for being in the coma. And we really want people to have a form to share their stories. So on our website, beyondeverafter.com, we have a share your story section because maybe you don't feel comfortable sharing it with 
somebody that might say, oh, you just dreamt that or you're just wishful thinking. But um, let That's us very cool. share our stories because they're powerful. Just like Yes, and then you, you can really relate to other people's experiences. And you say, wow, I, that validates what I'm thinking, you know. So I'm why not don't we so tell weird people, after all. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my sister's kind of a skeptic in that department. So when I tell her about my dreams and everything, that's your subconscious. You know, I said, no, it's not. It's Dad coming to see me, you know. So why don't we tell the listeners about your website and where they can go and how they can buy the book. And Okay. So the book is Beyond Ever After, A Heart-to-Heart Journey um, Through Death and the Afterlife. It's on Amazon, so you can just type in Beyond Ever After, and you can get it through Amazon. Um, uh, and it's also available in ebook for people who... Um, you know, don't want a bunch of books. Or vision impaired, too. Yeah. Yeah. And um, also our website is beyondeverafter.com, beyondeverafter.com. And you can um, see us and um, get an idea of who we are, connect with us. And uh, we really hope um, we hope that uh, sharing this experience um, helps people, and that's the feedback we've been getting. People are not afraid. Even even some 20-something-year-old uh, uh, young men are like, wow, it's like an adventure, you know. So <laughs> it's, even, it's great. reaching a lot of people, so that's great. You write a book, you don't know. but um, You're making so them into provocative thinkers. Com. <laughs> yeah, and believe me, as you get older, you start, you know, uh, your your mindset changes because you're not on the right. first chapter. You're, you know, you're uh, you're looking ahead, way ahead. I hope, but right. uh, you're looking to the yeah. other side sometimes, you know, and try to figure out right. what what loss means, what grief means, and you know what the whole purpose of life is really. So right. for everyone listening today, I'm thrilled that you tuned in, and uh, my guest. Uh, Catherine Weisenberg and Jocelyn Montanero, written a fabulous book. I hope you check out their website. And thanks so much. I'm Krista McDonald for tuning in to Second Vision. Have a blessed day.